You're listening to Wake Up Call with Christina Previtt. I'm the CEO and co-owner of New Jersey Divorce Solutions, a law firm located in Edison, New Jersey. I've been practicing exclusively divorce and family law for the past 16 years. Everyone has a story. I interview them. Wake Up Call is an opportunity for you to hear inspiring stories from people who are making hard decisions, overcoming their fears, and living their most authentic life. Bill Anthes, Green Beret, mindset coach, fitness coach, founder of Between the Ears, and now founder of Between the Ears Fitness. It's easy when you meet Bill to be mesmerized by his appearance and the fact that he's a Green Beret, but there is much more to Bill Anthes than his military experience. All you have to do is talk to him for five minutes to see that. And although Bill prefers not to emphasize his Green Beret experience, we do spend some time talking about that. We also talk about other things that take up space for him, like what is mindset? What does that mean? How do we define it? And how does that affect everything else that we do and become? It's a pretty deep conversation, but again, you only have to talk to Bill for five minutes to know that there is nothing superficial here. And without any further ado, here's my conversation with Bill. Hey, everybody. This is Christina Previtt. You're watching Wake Up Call Live. And joining me today is Bill Anthes. He is a Green Beret and the founder of Between the Ears, a coaching, I don't even know how to describe it, personal development and fitness coaching to build better humans. Yeah, 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 exactly. Is that right? I think it's good. I think that the funny thing about it is I struggle with explaining what it is too or describing it. <laughs> well, you had a good you had a good description at the last event that I went to and I know I had building better humans in there and I I like that. So, I introduced you as a green beret and I have to admit that I was a little I was like, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't bring that up because it is part of who you are and it's something that people are very interested in but in the past you've expressed at different times that it's not really the thing that you love to talk about you know it doesn't just become like this opportunity for for you to show off you know your military knowledge right can you just talk about that a little bit more like why is that important to you yeah i think that anytime we fixate on a label or a title or a role we sometimes don't fully see the human being that occupies that role or that title or that label. And so I understand the fascination, maybe the admiration, the respect, whatever it goes into being a Green Beret. And I, and I do get that. Um, but I think that we, that sometimes can cover the actual human being and um, the work that I do in building better human beings um, you know, is certainly focused on who this person is, not just like what they do. So you don't want people to make assumptions about you because you're a Green Beret. Yeah, that's definitely a part of it, uh, for sure. And, you know, I think for me being sensitive to what does that even mean? You know, like for people to be like, oh, you're a Green Beret. Like some people would get pictures of Rambo. Some people would get pictures of something else and none of those are really me they're not accurate uh for for who i am and so i think that understanding that it's part of my story and certainly part of me but it's not all of all of me and it's definitely not something i like to um have as the only bit about me because 
there's way more and i think a lot cooler and better stuff than just you know what my job was in the military well how long were you in the military five years okay so you know relatively a short time of your yeah. something years yeah would you say that that was a huge part of your personal development or did it start even long before that yeah it started way before um you know i had grown up wanting to be uh like a navy seal or a commando or a green beret like whatever those guys were um and at the time it was just all males that that's what i wanted to do so um that interest in what that kind of level meant of being physically capable, mentally strong, you know, emotionally res uh, having emotional resolve, uh, you know, being able to do very challenging things for a greater purpose than oneself really drove me um, as, a, as a kid on the athletic field more than anything else. And I was a very successful, very talented athlete um, up through including, you know, college. And that was always sort of the driving energy behind me. And so I always wanted to develop better as a human being so that I could be better on the field, honestly. Uh, and then it got to a point where it was like, okay, I want to do this in my life, but all the list of excuses not to and trying to basically live someone else's template. And um, I just kind of said, like, I'm either going to do this and try and see how it goes or never think about it again. And I wasn't prepared to, I wasn't prepared to do that and, and live with regret for the rest of my life. Well, when you say living someone else's template, are you talking about parents? Or are you talking mm. about the script that we're all kind of taught to live? I mean, I think I certainly had family considerations. My brother, my older brother was, uh, he went to the Air Force Academy. He was a pilot. Um, he was in the military. Uh, so, you know, I thought like one, one son, I'm, I'm, I have an older brother and a younger brother, one son in the military is enough. Let me go kind of do my own thing. And so ironically enough, that was, well, I still want to do some sort of service. So I got into accounting as a way to try to go into the FBI, or at least that's kind of what I thought I would do FBI, uh, or, you know, CIA kind of stuff. And, um, that was just sort of like as a kid, not knowing anything about anything, um, and kind of what you led mean me, like 20? Well, like high school, yeah, high school into tw into my 20s, just, you know, not really thinking. But there was always that thing of like, well, I'm just going to, I want to go into the army. I want to go into the military. I want to serve. I want to do this high-level stuff. But I can't, so let me find the next best thing. And that's sort of, I guess, what I kind of mean by the template. Also, yeah, for sure, getting into, so I, I graduated college. Went to work for PricewaterhouseCoopers, which was a you know at the time like the best accounting firm. Even though I hated it, um, people were cool, but I just hated the job. And so there was a little bit of that that bullshit that goes into having a big you know corporate job, making a bunch of money as a young kid. Uh, but I just I just never bought into that, never subscribed to that. So sort of the family considerations with the with the script of what is successful um, and all of that. And, and I kind of always beat to my own drum and went against the grave. And, you know, after a year of that said like, I'm going to burn the script and do, write my own story. So that's when you entered the military. 
Yeah, that's when I started the enlistment process. Yeah, it took about a year, actually. And did you know that you wanted to be a Green Beret? I was in between Green Beret. Uh, actually, I considered the Marine Marine Corps for a while um, because, well, just for whatever reason, um, I went in at 25 and I felt like for right, wrong, right or wrong, I don't know. I felt like at 25 and having had a you know good corporate job and having an education, this and that, I wanted certain guarantees. And I knew what I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to be in special operations and I wanted, I didn't want to wait around for a few years to, to get the chance to try out. Now I'm not, I'm not, I don't think that that's necessarily the right way of going. Um, it might sound a little spoiled, but that's kind of where I was at, you know? Uh, so I was in between, um, Green Beret, Army Ranger, and that was actually a long that was probably like I first went to a recruiter in like 2007, right when I was still or right after I graduated and, you know, figured, well, let me let me give a year of my job a try. And then that turned into like two years and I stayed on. So it was kind of like bouncing back and forth within the army between Ranger Regiment and Special Forces. And then, you know, just kind of looking at the different mission sets where I'm at at the time, made a decision to say, hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for special forces. I think that aligns a little bit more with, with not only, you know, what I'm sort of interested in, but also my, my skill sets and my potential talent. So when you did enlist and you went through that experience, did, was it, did it meet your expectations? <laughs> did it fill, fulfill whatever it was that you were looking for? Um, in many ways it met, fulfilled and exceeded my expectations. And in many ways it, it absolutely did not. And, um, you know, that's the funny thing about service. You don't get to choose your mission. You don't get to choose, uh, like what you'll do only really that you'll stand up and, um, you know, say, I'll go do whatever has to be done. Um, and so, in some ways, I, I had no idea what to expect. I'm, I know I had expectations, I think, going in, but it, everything, you can't, you, you can't know a, a, an entirely different world without actually stepping into it. So it was, it was the epitome of the unknown and, and entering into the unknown really without any expectations. Um, I'll say that what I wanted out of a career, even though five years, you know, I never thought I was going to only do five years. I thought I was going to stay in for, for a long time. Um, what I wanted, I, in, in some ways I did not achieve and I did not fulfill, which, you know, kind of haunts me, um, still. And there's, there's still things that you know, I feel like I can contribute more and do more. Um, and then in other ways, I, I have just completely exceeded expectations and fulfillment and, um, you know, so it's definitely both. Well, what do you feel like it fulfilled or didn't for fulfill? If you want to share those things. Yeah. I mean, there's such a, I, the first thing that comes to mind is just the quality of human being that I was fortunate enough to, to meet and serve by and learn with and experience life with. And, um, you know, that's, that's my, the people that I was in with my brothers that, you know, taught me so much, uh, about myself, about leadership, about, you know, any, so many, just living, um, so the, the connection there was amazing and that exceeded, I think, any expectation. And I had been a, a high level team athlete my whole life. And so I was very familiar with teammates and 
leadership and all of that, but, you know, being in special operations and my experience in it from, um, from a learning standpoint and from a human connection standpoint, I mean, it was just amazing who I got to meet. You know, there was things I wanted to do professionally and career wise, different types of deployments, different types of schools, different types of, um, you know, just different experiences that I wanted that I wanted to have um, that didn't that that just didn't come down. A lot of it is luck and timing. Um, that being said, there's schools I went to that were really cool, and I am forever thankful for and some amazing trainings I was I was able to be a part of, and and you know, all, all of that. So while my um, my expectations and 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 wants were sort of all over the place, what I can still extract to this day is it was a very positive experience. And I'll be honest, at the at the minimum. Had I not decided, had I not enlisted at the time I enlisted and decided to actually like move back home and live with my parents for the three or four months before shipping out to basic training, I wouldn't have met my wife. And so, you know, that's been, if, if there was nothing else personally that I benefited from the, you know, meeting my wife was, I, I would do it all over again in a heartbeat for that. Well, that's what's um, going to be my next question is you said that you intended to stay in longer. And I can assume that the reason you didn't was because of Kay, your wife, yeah. people don't know. Um, is Was that the reason? Yeah, oh yeah, family for sure. Kay and the kids, yeah. Well, I watched your presentation at the Do Lectures mm -hmm. and it's really good. If anybody watching hasn't seen it, I highly recommend that you watch it. Um, and I believe it was there that you shared the story that Kay had said to you when you wanted to, excuse me if I don't know the military lingo, lingo, like, you know, go back, I guess, for another tour or whatever. Yep, um, yep. You felt this pull to go back. And, and I do want you to talk about that. But she said something really on point was if what you have now isn't enough, yeah. whatever will be. And it's actually a really good question obviously we know the answer that it was enough, but what, can you describe what, what, at least what you were going through at that time in your life? What, what is that pull? Cause I have, you're not the first person that I've heard this from, you know, what is that? Is it a sense of obligation, a sense of duty? I, I never felt the obligation for it. I, I didn't think that that was what I would describe. I felt, uh, I wanted to do more. I wanted to do what I felt was I was capable of that I trained and dedicated my whole life for, um, that I had opportunity to, to do, but I was also lost and didn't really know what my purpose was. And, um, you know, it was a safer move to go back into you know, a military capacity, working with other government organizations to deploy overseas and just kind of live that life. I didn't have to extend into this another form of the unknown, which is life after the military, life back here. You know, I live in a town that I don't really know anybody, um, you know, in a house where I never, like, I didn't live in it for like however long we had it for. Um, so it was a totally new life. And you know, at 30, to feel like you're starting over again, um, 
yeah, I was afraid of that. I didn't, uh, there was definitely fear of that for sure. Just not having a purpose, not, not knowing what I was going to do. Uh, well, did and, you feel and, like you had the purpose in the military or you had found it there? Yeah, I think, I think so. But I have to be honest, like it wasn't just about the purpose in the military. It was also about not needing to frankly cultivate that for yourself. It's easy to be in the army. It's easy to be in the military. Now, different jobs within are more challenging, but it wasn't like every day I was like, oh my God, this is the hardest day in the world. There were some days, especially during training. Yeah, that would be. But then there was other days, going to the team room, what are we doing? We're jumping today, just parachuting, having a good time, or shooting or whatever. You know, so there was this whole range of things. And so I didn't have to cultivate my own life. And the purpose while in, yeah, like you could just subscribe to it. And you didn't have to really have that be something that, um, yeah, you had to cultivate on your own, I guess is the best way of putting it. And so, you know. But didn't it yeah. take getting used to when you left your old life to go into the military? It doesn't, isn't it just a matter of what you're already used to? Because I practice divorce law. But mm -hmm. if I have to do something different, it requires so much effort. It requires way more effort than if I just do something in my area. That Sometimes I don't even, if I'm not really interested in it, I don't want to do it because I don't want to put that much effort into it. I can almost sort of be on autopilot with, with divorce. So is it, is it kind of like that? Like you were already Sounds like it. Yeah. So then how did, do you feel like you found your purpose? <laughs> I mean, how old are you? 35, turning 35, <laughs> 35. maybe. Well, you sound, yes, I'm 44, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I don't know if I have found my purpose, maybe a little closer, but do you feel like you have found it? Uh, some days I think I'm closer to it. If it's, at, I don't know if it's like something that I can just say, like, I found it. You know, I think it's closer to a journey than it is like a destination kind of thing. And so I think as I continue to work with folks and develop, you know, between the years and my coaching practice and all of that, I, I think I certainly have some ideas on, on how I want it to feel. Um, but that's, you know, that's where it's so different from being in the army. Like, yeah, it was what I was doing and it was what I wanted to do and all that. But it, I, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit, it wasn't like every single day I was like, this is amazing. I'm fulfilling my personal legend and stepping into my purpose. Like there was a lot of days where I was like, you know, especially there was some dark moments on deployment where I was like, what the fuck am I doing? What are we doing? And the answer wasn't a good one. And so um, I think about that as far as who I am and who I've always been. And you know, I think that's probably always been a bit of a struggle to feel like what I'm doing is worth it. And I just want to do my best to, you know, live a, a, a life I'm proud of and serve others and you know, sometimes I feel like I, that drives me so much and so hard, um, which can also, I can really be very, very critical of myself on that. Um, so short answer, I don't think I've found it. I think I'm okay with not knowing exactly what it is. I think I'm inspired to, to, to try to fulfill it and seek it and, 
explore on the way. Well, I've, I've worked with other coaches too, and, and they kind of echo each other that whatever path you're on, if you're looking for it, you're, you're on it, you're doing it, you're, you know, moving towards it. If you're just following whatever your desires are. So for you, you know, it's coaching. Yeah. Oh, sounds like you're on the right path. What, what was the, the seed for between the ears? I mean, did you, I guess you came back from being in the military and had to figure out, you know, your house, <laughs> where the bathroom is, where the good bagels are, whatever. <laughs> um, but then there had to be the question, well, what, what am I going to do now with myself? What, what do I do for a living? So how'd you figure yeah. that out? Or well, did you? <laughs> I don't know if I have. <laughs> um, no, so I think that the, the seed for Between the Ears started while I was still in. And I was, I had the good fortune of, because of going straight into the special forces tryout pipeline, kind of my whole time was spent in special operations. And it was a pressure cooker environment right from day one. I felt that there was experiences and lessons I had learned before the army that were validated and further enriched in the army, but that weren't exclusive just to special operations or special forces training or life as a Green Beret. And that these were things that I had had snippets of it beforehand and it really kind of came to light and I saw a different side of it while in. And these are things that I felt very strongly that I think many people can, can benefit from. And I wanted to create experiences and work with people, be that in an individual coaching or a group coaching session, um, that, that, that played upon, I thought, what I thought were some common themes and some undercurrents that I had experienced from my kind of journey and um, without having people have to go into the army or, you know, quit their job and hitchhike across the country or, you know, do some of these run the Appalachian trail. Like there's some, there's some amazing feats that people do to have these, you know, kind of transformative experiences and these evolutions. Um, I wanted to see, to, to create something that people could do on a weekend or on a night uh, or, you know, throughout their throughout their normal day without this huge disruptance and so that actually started while i was in um yeah you know, how did you envision it then i mean has it it's probably not in its current form exactly what you had envisioned it back then not at all how's it different? Yeah, not at all um it was primarily events so it would be there was some people I would work with where I just give them like little individual taskings, usually surrounded around physical stuff. Um, so, you know, anything from like CrossFit competitors to, <clears throat> you know, individuals who wanted to kind of be better in sport. There's still some, some folks from, you know, that were playing sports that I knew uh, or people that wanted to, you know, kind of throw their hand up and try to go into the army or military or something. Uh, but generally speaking, it was around physical events that had the element of the unknown, some sort of physical exertion required, uh, and really a confrontation with stripping this person down to who they are at, as, as a result of 
you know, these events. And so that's kind of how it started. Um, that's either both remote, you know, via like some, some coaching, some minimal coaching, uh, and then also through in-person events. And those in-person events started for the most part, right when I, when I got out, um, you know, and I would talk to Kay about this. I'm like, you know, I think that there's, I think that I could like help guide people through these, these things and not tell them what to do, but, you know, be with them on a path and, and, and work with them. And, you know, I had been, a I had been in many leadership roles and capacities and different types for a long time. And I had been trained and mentored and coached by some brilliant people, both in sports business and, and the military. And I thought that, you know, if I would start with this, I could get better and learn and continue my own growth, but also share with others. And so that kind of started it all, but what it is now is, yeah, certainly not what it is, what it is, uh, what it was when I first started. Well, I've done, I think two now, I know you have different categories, the engagement, the practice, I think the seminar. Did I miss any? <laughs> so the kinds I've done. So I've done an engagement, which is like a two, uh, which is like a four hour, you know, kind of at night thing, but it's, it's contained. It's pretty contained. I did that one. You've done that one. There's an evolution, which is like an overnight longer, we'll say like 12 hours. Um, that's usually outside of any gym setting. It's always outside of a gym setting. Uh, and that's that's kind of how they mostly started. Um, then there's, I've done like a weekend immersion where uh, that's like a you know full 48 hour event, renting houses, cooking food, like pretty cool retreat style where there's a combination of obviously events, but also discussion and coaching. That was really neat. And um, then there's obviously the practice, which is an online three month online program uh, where I coach folks. And then the seminar, which was like a workshop, like a seminar. And so, yeah. But there was a physical component to it. Actually. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like there, my specialty, I think is creating physical experiences for people to kind of learn about themselves or have opportunities to learn about themselves. And so um, I, I think that when we engage the body and movement, we get to areas of the mind and the, and the spirit and the heart that we can't just do by sitting around. Um, you know, even the way our brains work, different types of modalities and intensities kind of light up different areas of the brain, uh, different emotional processing centers and stuff. So there's always going to be a physical component um, with between the ears. One of the reasons why I don't always like, or what I, I kind of de-emphasize the green beret part is because people think like, you know, just some crazy physical crush you type yeah. of events, be that because you were a military guy or because that's what every single person that has an, a training company hangs their hat on, frankly, and in, in, in now th like, and I'm, I'm, the company does a lot of great work, but like things like go ruck, they're going to spray you with water and yell at you and smoke you and make you do a bunch of push ups. And, you know, I've been there. I, I've had that done to me and that shit doesn't work. Like it, it, yes. it, it, it helps you kind of tune out a little bit. Yeah, sure. It's a little bit of adversity, but uh, I, I just, that's not my approach. It's not my style. I, I don't, I don't think that the loudest in the room 
rarely ever has anything valuable to say. Um, And that's a lot of that, a lot of those military, I was working for a coaching, um, it's actually a pretty famous one now, uh, you know, kind of leadership consulting company after, after I got out and I had to stop because they're like, you know, you got to tell stories and I yell at them. Yeah. I worked for them. I contracted for them for a little bit and I, and I stopped just because I was like, I'm not, you know, there was, I was, um, working with a group of, uh, I don't know, maybe 50 entrepreneurs out of Boston, a uh, EO network up in Boston. And we were doing an event where it was, it, it was, it was basically like a recreation of, of hell week or, Navy SEAL training with the boats and the this and the that. And I get it. I understand the purpose of all that stuff. I do. I've lived it. But when I'm six foot two, 200 pounds, and there's people half my size linking arms backing into the Charles River because they, you know, failed to meet their time standard, which is impossible anyway, I don't need to yell at them. I can look them in the eye and just speak with intensity and I don't need to raise my voice. I'm telling them back into the river and their eyes wide open back into the river. They're, I'm controlling them. So why do I need to yell at them? Well, the shock factor, they, you're a green beret, you have a shaved head, you're this, you're that, you gotta like, that's what they're paying for it. I'm like, well, I'm not interested in the, in the highlights and the fireworks. I'm interested in working with these people to try to get involved and try to hear what they were saying and, and being, and I, and, and, you know, you know, since you do the events, like I am not going to pull punches. I'm not going to let you off the hook or have it be the easy way or, Oh, this or that. It's like, no, we'll be very, very direct, but there's also a compassion and a, and a steady hand, but a, but a gentle hand. And so the whole like yelling and screaming at people, I just, so all that to say that the physical part is always going to be there, but it's it's hardly ever what people think it is in terms of I'm not ever going to be able to do that. And I would say if that's what you think, you're absolutely right. But that's yeah. not what the reality is. Well, I will admit, I mean, I was afraid to do it. But, yeah. but then I realized, well, if I'm afraid to do it, I really have to do it. So I have to sign up for it now just because my mind will not rest if I don't. And I don't know if it's because I was expecting it to be far worse. It didn't seem like it was that bad. Do you know what I mean? The physical component. And it is hard to describe. I didn't, it wasn't like you had us do something so physically demanding that I felt like I couldn't do it, but it was still demanding at the same time. And, And after I had the experience, I, realize that the name is so appropriate between the ears because you really do get in your head that that was my experience and which i kind of assume is the point right to get in your head and i think a lot of people think because you're green beret you know they want this military experience that they really only know because they've watched too much television Mm -hmm. like you know watch rambo and they're not actually going to go into the military, but you can get a little taste of it, you know, like for a weekend without having the real obligation of doing that and kind of seeing like, well, how, how, let's just see how I would do. Um, I, I don't know. I really think some people are just looking for that. Yeah. You know, I had somebody one time, I've had a couple of people that have looked for more of that. And they kind of associated what they were doing with the recreation of the military stuff. And 
and and it's not and and that's and there are companies out there and there are events out there that you can try to get realistic military training and stuff like that that's not what i'm interested in you know and so if you really want to know what the military is like there's only one way to find out like there's not a there's not this like oh i would do that because it's like no you wouldn't that you you could do this event and there's you know there are some amazingly fit athletes that have come through and done my events i don't know how they would do in the military honestly I, it's it's completely different you know and so um i think that I, I i think i'm saying what i'm trying to say is those events are not about like the category of what you're doing or the actual physical stuff of what you're doing but you know what you're going to be open and to and, and, and looking for to learn about yourself. Um, I mean, do you think that you can basically do whatever you think you can do? No. Okay. I don't. I, don't. I, so I think that I, I think I think there's a difference in, in mindset between thinking you can do whatever you want to do and believing that you'll do as best as you can in whatever you you choose to try to do um you know and i've just i, I my experience has shown or, or what i've experienced i've experienced people who just won't ever do what they want to be able to do there's been folks who have come through and uh, and and you know like tried to be in the be in the military but they they want to do that they want to be Green Berets, but what's required of that isn't what they're willing to change about themselves to become. And so I, I think that there's just a difference on like looking at the end and the outcome and the end result and saying, I think if I think I can do that, then I'm going to do it and saying, I'm going to transform and be the person who I'm not, who I don't know exactly how to do that but I will give everything I have to f kind of figuring that out. And I think that that's more in line with what I, what I would think, um, you know, and, and innately like does like, it's kind of like one of those questions of like, okay, well, if I wanted to be a, a chess grandmaster, do I think I could be that? Like, well, I don't know at this point in my life, probably not, you know, now, if I had grown up, so like some of the nature, some of the nurture, um, I don't, I don't know if that answers your question, but. Well, I, I guess it depends on the context. I mean, I'm, you know, I kind of joke around at home. I, I say, you know, I came to this realization one day that I was never going to be in the Olympics. <laughs> Not, and I never had any desire to be in the Olympics, but I had realized at some point that if I wanted to be, I can't really, because what am I going to do now? You know, I'm yeah. 44. Um, so I think maybe that's a different conversation just about being comfortable with yourself as you age. I don't know. There's There's something about when you're in your 20s where you feel like you can do anything. Your whole life is ahead of you. You know, there's nothing that I can't be. And you probably haven't had enough failures in your life at that point. I mean, I think there's a, I think that there's a, I, I, I think there's a balance or not maybe a balance, but I think that there's, there's, like you said, the context. So 
like, for example, anything that involves physical skill, you really have to look at what your genetic hand you're being dealt. And I'm sorry, if you want to play in the NBA and you're five foot two and you don't have a fast twitch muscle fiber in you, you're not, it's not going to happen. You can have all the positive thinking, all of that, all the belief, but you're just not, it's just not going to happen. And sorry, you know, um, likewise, if you want to, if, if you want to really go through the work of being like, okay, well, what is it about being in the NBA and being an NBA player that is that, that you want to achieve? Then I think we start to come closer to being able to step into that and, and, and achieve that versus just like, well, it's, I just want to be in the NBA. Well, like, what is it? Is it the dedication? Is it the work? Is it the being part of a team? Like if we strip down the layers and look beneath the surface, similarly, like for the green Bray stuff, you know, if we, if we really look at it from a more personal, not outcome based uh, point of view, then I think we can, then we can really extract the essence of that. And, and achieve that stuff. But it might not be like, you know, wearing 23 hitting jumpers and winning the NBA. Like, yeah, you're, it's just, sorry. You said in one of your podcasts, you talked about um, that you have had people say they want to be a green beret and you never said you're not going to be a green beret, even though you may have thought that, but those yeah. people always realized at some point they realized on their own, either, you know, I don't want to do this or, you know, I'm not committed to doing this, that this isn't going to happen. Yeah. So I think the people, what I guess my thing, and again, I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but most people want the idea of what that means, not the actual yeah. work that's required. And I understand that 100%. And I'm sure there's things in the past that I have, you know, done that as well. People want what they think a green beret is or what they think being in the Olympics is. Um, nobody's talking about, I had it. So here's the story. I, when I, I graduated the Q course um, and I shipped and I went down to Fort Campbell to fifth special forces group, which is the unit that I served with. And I got down there and I was as like fresh as it gets, you know, no previous experience, never been at a unit. It was my first real unit. I was an E5, so I was a sergeant. So, you know, not really a, yeah, I was an NCO, but I didn't really have any legitimate rank. I just spent two years in the training pipeline. And there was like senior E7s that came up to me because I had a Green Beret on, Special Forces tab, and that's like a cool guy thing, and told me all about how they wanted to become a Green Beret. And they told me all about how, they would do it, but you know, they just don't like leaving their family. And I was just like, well, that's the difference between, between you and me. It's not that I like leaving my family. It's that I'm willing to, to do what's required to, to pursue that. And I don't, you think I like leaving my, you think I like, I never lived with my family for five years. I I don't like that. It, It was, it was an awful experience having to, flip a light switch every time I would get to see them when I would get to see them when I, 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 and we would have a great moment. One of the immediate things I would think of, well, this is going to end pretty soon and go right back. And so, you know, it was this, you want the idea of the being a green brain, just like being a high level professional athlete, like you want the glamor and the standing on top of the podium. But what about missing nights and weekends? What about not having a social life? What about feeling like you can't physically get out of bed because you're broken? What about 
all of these sacrifices that go into it. And I think that when we look at the label or the outcome or kind of the, the cover of it all, we miss some critical details. And Well, yeah. that's an interesting statement because to, to say, well, I could do it, but I won't do this. Well, then you couldn't. Then right. you couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, I heard a quote recently that, um, hopefully I don't screw it up, the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people are that the successful people are willing to do what the unsuccessful people won't. Mm. And, you know, I think that's probably true most of the time. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would agree, you know. Um, and, and in the coaching world now, working with people's fitness and health and you know, nutrition and personal development. Like there's plenty of people that are that want, and, and I'm told this fairly regularly, I want to do between the ears, but I'm, I'm just not ready. It's like, okay, what, what, what aren't you ready for? It's like, well, I know I'm going to have to face some stuff that I'm not willing to face or I'm not ready to face yet. And, and I get, and I understand that. And it's like, everybody's at a different point in their journey. And, 100% like I, I do get it but the question is always going to be then well then how long are you willing to wait to to work on yourself and, and improve your life and is just waiting the storm out is that an effective way of living and you know and then that's for each person to answer and I'm not I'm certainly not the judge of that um, I'm just merely providing an opportunity yeah well they say in coaching you have to find people where they are mm-hmm um, so yeah, that's hard. I mean, I, I, in my business, which is, I don't know, I wouldn't say it's unlike coaching. I encounter people all the time that will come in and, and talk about how unhappy they are in their marriage and how they really want to end it. And then at the end of the meeting, I'll ask them, okay, you know, are you ready to move forward? No, I have to think about it. Yeah. Or, you know, no, this or that or the other thing. And, you know, sometimes I'll see those people soon sometimes i won't see them at all sometimes i'll see them five years later and um it is perplexing to me why don't you move forward with change if that's really what you want there's a lot of people i think that don't even know what they want they just know that they don't want this yeah and i think that's a that's a sticky place to get into um and it's a very passive victim way of living. And again, that's not, I'm not trying to be personally judgmental or critical on, on folks. Um, but, you know, what do you want? And can you, can you identify it? And can you say, like, can you accept that? And then can you step forward and action it? I mean, that's, you know, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's not easy to, I think, I, I don't think that's easy for, for, well, the other thing, too, is, you know, what are you doing to figure out what you want? Do you think it's just going to, you know, hit you on the head one day? Right. You know, what are you doing to figure it out? Because, you know, I've talked to Kay about not being happy with my work and not feeling fulfilled. And and I kind of realized at some point in time, well, what am I doing to figure that out? You know, yeah. um, but I do things, you know, I have gone to events I did between the ears, you know, it's all part of that self-reflection and discovered that I really like podcasting. I started a podcast. Now I do this and I'm sure this will evolve into something else. Yeah. Um, 
but it's something that I enjoy doing. But I guess I should be able to answer my own question because I'm trying to remember if I signed up immediately for Between the Ears when I when I decided when I heard about it and I decided that I wanted to do it. I don't really I want I would love to say yes I did, but I don't know if that's actually true. But I mean I think there's a I think there's there's um there's like doing things because you have that feeling to do it. And then there's the being like, all right, I, I feel this urge or desire to do something, but I wanna, I, because I do also respect it, I wanna spend some time thinking about it and weighing the pros and cons and, 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 and kind of honoring how I show up to it so that I can extract all of it that may, I might be able to versus just like, oh, I have this whim and a reflex and I'm gonna go do it. And then it's like, man, I never even thought like, why am I doing this? So I think that having that, being able to work with that, those intuitive um, or, or unconscious feelings and urges, and then also applying our ability to be rational and analytical and slow down a little bit to just kind of pick it apart, it sets us up for success. So, um, you know, and, I, and again, I think that the difference between those two uh, is going to be so person dependent. There's some people who are just yeah. going to be like, nope, I've got, it feels right, I'm going to do it. And there's other people who are like, I need to see the list of pros and cons and and have all of the data. And um, you know, that's where I think coaching is such an amazing thing because everybody is so different and, and unique. And um, What I love about coaching is that it's so easy to see, you know, what everybody else's problem is, you know, what, <laughs> like what we're even talking about, but you can't always see your own stuff. Right. And yeah. I think a coach that you trust and, and, you know, you feel like you trust their judgment, you, can respect when they say, Hey, did you notice you're doing this and this and this, and you're sabotaging yourself and you just said one thing, but then you said something later that was totally inconsistent. So I think coach, I love coaching because I, I think it has so much value in that respect. Yeah. And that's sort of something that's so helpful for people. Also, I think that, you know, to have somebody who doesn't know your story, who doesn't really know, like it's not your significant other or a family or a friend or a coworker. It's this pretty objective, independent person um, who kind of holds a mirror up and just says, hey, this is kind of what we got going on. What, what, what do you see? Um, you know, that, that point of view that a coach, that a good coach can provide, uh, I, I think is something that is a huge part of the coaching relationship versus, oh, I see what you're doing, Christina. You just need to, you know, know know what your values are and do it. It's like, well, yeah. You know. So, what are some of the things that people come to you specifically to work on with coaching? Because it sounds like you get quite a variety of things. You know, someone who wants to be a green beret, someone who wants to be fit. Yeah, um, mostly they want to. They they want to sort of work on their mindset, uh, which is a bit of a sticky, non-descriptive, like, yeah. and what does it even mean? And that's a whole, I, we can go into that if, if you want, but, um, well, what does usually, that mean to you? So well, actually I want to let you answer the first question, then we can move on. People usually one. come because they want to, they, they want to improve something about themselves, usually in a way that they can kind of step forward and action that like in their life. And so, they might want to be a bit more present with their family or, you know, stronger leadership or more resilient or have a little bit more 
uh, ability to operate amidst adversity, or they're just like, look, I just, there's just, I just want to work on myself. I'm not sure where to begin. There's all, there's billion dollar, you know, trillion dollar self-help industry. There's an yeah. insane amount of media and lots of noise and videos and lectures and courses and pop up up. And while that's amazing, we're in the information age, it is super overwhelming. Um, and so where do I start? How do I begin? And that's where it's like, great, let's, let's, let's have a chat. Um, so that's the case. I've had a few people, uh, you know, reach out about like military special operations type stuff. And, you know, I don't have a good success rate with, with those people actually following through. Cause I'll task them early before any tra any sort of agreement is started. And most of them can't even complete that task. And I just say, and it's not a hard task. Usually it's write me a thousand word essay on why you want to do this. And you have three days to do it. Send it back to me. And, that's it. And then have you ever gotten it in the three days? One person, one, one. And I, I, it was kind of a, I was like doing some physical stuff with her as well. She wanted to go to Naval Academy and, um, she sort of wrote it. It was, I mean, she was like in high school. So it was kind of like, yeah. you know, I also meeting people, but if you come to me and you know, there was a, there's been people who, yeah, it's like, hey, I want to do this. Great, write this. And if they don't do it, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, What? what's the story going to be? You said you wanted to do this. And it's not to be such a hard ask. If they're like, hey, look, this thing happened and whatever. And it's like, okay, but often I never hear from them again. And mm, that's interesting. I'm not going to chase them down either. I mean. Yeah, no, um, there's like this saying in, with, in substance abuse counseling, not that I've had substance abuse counseling, <laughs> and not that there's anything wrong with that, but um, I, I'm not going to be more invested than you are. Sure, yeah. And I think that's true of coaching. Yeah, just like if they were to, and, and I had my, when I first got to my team, um, I was told to do that. So it's not like I'm making this up. Like, this is a real thing. Yes, a real Green Beret told me, write me an essay. He didn't give me three days. He gave me the next morning to do it. And it was and it was like, it wasn't just this, oh, you did it, thanks, you're, you're good to go. Like, no, it was the beginning of a long and hard vetting process to see, am I going to trust you with my life? That was the yeah. stake. So this exercise I'm giving you, it's not, I'm not wasting your time. I absolutely hate wasting people's time. I hate wasting my own time. I think things to the extent we can, should have a purpose, even though we might not know exactly the purpose and all of that, but we should have some sort of awareness of why am I doing this? What's the intention? What's the yeah. essence of it? Um, well, do you think you it's know, kind of like when um, the karate kid went to Mr. Miyagi and thought he was immediately gonna learn karate, and but he was doing the painting and all that, yeah. right? Is it like yeah. that? Or like, why is he asking me to write this? Like, this is stupid. Yeah, I think so. I think in many ways it is. I think it's a great. I think it's a great uh, comparison to it. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, maybe maybe a prerequisite for those people should be that they have seen the Karate Kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's go back to the other question that I asked you. What what is mindset to you? So, my definition of mindset, and the reason I have a definition is because. I don't have the definition with it to say that my definition of mindset is right and everybody else is wrong. 
the reason I have a definition is because I've yet to see an actual like definition that says anything. And we, but we hear mindset at nauseum everywhere. Yes. Athletics, business. Uh, I mean, books are written like there's so it's just used over and over and over. It's kind of like health now. Like, oh, that person's healthy. And it's like, are they though? Or are yeah. they just not like really sick and and having a disease? Like that person's fit. Are they? Or is it that they just look in this what we think of fit? So yeah. I, I, I define mindset to, uh, to say, hey, this is sort of the common ground under, uh, upon which we'll stand. And then from there, see how that can drive our actions and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, so I say that to say my definition of mindset is a mode of self-communication that drives actions as expressions of inner beliefs. And so that's kind of what I went through at the seminar, kind of ripping apart each part of it and diving in and, you know, kind of getting into the real essence of it versus the, you know, Webster's dictionary. Um, and so I kind of had spent a couple of years trying to come up with like, first of all, looking for a, a working definition of mindset, you know, Carol Dweck's work, um, Dr. Carol Dweck, she's a very famous psychologist. She wrote a book mindset. She's um, very popular for the growth versus fixed mindset. Yeah. You know, I went through that book and I'm like, but what is it? Yeah. Yeah, you're, it's like you can't use the, def, the word in the definition. Right. And then it's like, well, mindset's just how you think. It's like, okay, well, what about how you feel? Is there a difference between thoughts and feeling? And yeah. depending upon who you are, you're going to say yes or no. Um, what about the action element? Well, if it's how you think, what about how about what about when you behave? Because usually we look at something and say, wow, that person, that's a demonstration of their mindset. Okay. But do we know, like... So we get into some questions that don't really have any answers if we don't have a working, in my opinion, if we don't have a working sort of uh, working definition of, of mindset. So a mode of self-communication that drives actions as expressions of inner beliefs um, is how I define that. mindset. I gotta memorize that. <laughs> you have to really think a, about that. I mean, when you say so it. So what is mindset to you? What do you think mindset is? Well, I, you know what? You're right. I don't know that I've spent a lot of time trying to define it. I think since I'm on the spot, I'm going to say it's it's the background behind. It's like your operating system. It's mm -hmm. like what what is in your mind, your conscious mind and your subconscious mind that is dictating your behavior. That's the best I can come up with right now. Yeah, no, I like it. it is to me, it's like the backdrop of everything. It's like I always think, well, why, you know, whatever I'm doing, why am I doing that? Why did I do that that way? It was, right. is there a better way I could have done it? And what's triggering that? Sure. Um, and usually I'll think of it more when something negative has happened. Like yeah. I've done something that I look on later like why did I do that that was so stupid or I'm embarrassed or whatever you know what what triggered that um yeah yeah and I think that when we look at it at least when I how I view it too it's easy to sort of see what happened in retrospect and be like oh well right I approached it with this negativity or with this scarcity or whatever it might be 
And I think when we try to cultivate it and train it and develop it, I'm of the belief that if we take a proactive approach to it, then we can, you know, set ourselves up for, for success, not measured by if the outcome was whatever kind of measurements that, that are traditional success, but that is something that's a closer reflection to, to who we are and to how we want to live and, you know, authenticity. And so, um, you know, I think that that's where with mindset and athletics, like I don't, there's plenty of athletes, there's plenty of green berets. I don't think they have a great mindset. In fact, I know like there's there's dudes I served with that I was like their mindset's shit. They but they're talented at something. They have the experience. They know what they're doing. But strong-minded, there's plenty that would be like no, not at all. Uh, and there's likewise, you know, some folks who have incredible mindsets. I think that like they're not going to be, you know, these these epic kind of people, but. But how they operate from a place of within is is amazing and powerful and beautiful. And so, um, I don't know. That's kind of yeah. It, it's definitely we could spend another hour just on that alone. Yeah, it's a deep one. <laughs> but you do you you and Kay both spend a lot of time talking about awareness, and I think yeah. that's all tied together. Yeah. Um, but I think I don't think you can separate the two. So for me, it's thinking about mindset is, is trying to be more aware of, you know, what triggers me to act stupid or to do something that I don't, you know, don't want to do. Um, which I know I'm putting it in the negative light. It, it could also be, well, what inspires me to do good things that I do. Um, but obviously we tend, as humans, I think we spend more time worrying about the stuff we're doing that we don't like. Um, because if you're aware of it, then maybe you can eliminate those behaviors going forward. Yeah. And I think, and I agree. And, and awareness in my mind is the root of everything. It, it, it really is the, the, the foundation upon everything. Um, without the awareness, it's just kind of a, a, a guess. Um, you know, I think that obviously luck, like I was saying, like luck does have and timing and just things that are outside of our control or outside of our awareness. We have to recognize those forces and those powers, um, this whole situation we're in, right? So, yeah. um, but but the awareness is, is huge. And when we have the awareness, and this is the challenging part where people wear with between the ears, what's often raised is the internal awareness perhaps when we see we can't really unsee and then we're presented with a decision and a choice of acceptance and then follow through and so if we have this awareness of um something in our life that we want that we recognize maybe isn't serving us we see it in the light and in a way that then provides us the opportunity to to, to action it but that that action might be might require you to change maybe either who you are or your entire life. And I think that a lot of folks would rather just kind of keep the lights off and not see. And, and again, I, yeah. I, underst I, I understand that because it, it is hard and it is deep and, you know, not everybody's at that point. Um, but I think at a, at a certain point to step into that, to live authentically is. So what about, um, 
agency. You guys talk about that a lot too. And sometimes I'll be listening. I'll be like, what are they talking about? What does that mean? <laughs> so can you maybe explain that a little yeah. bit? What do you mean by agency? So, uh, you know, agency to me is the internal choice. So the difference in my mind between agency and choice <clears throat> is choice is all options possible. That is sort of like playing in the Olympics, maybe. Like, yes, it is possible to play in the Olympics. Okay. <laughs> very unlikely. Uh, very unlikely. <laughs> so, so, so choice, I think, you know, all options available is, is kind of like, okay, you have these choices, right? Agency is the inner kind of strength and, and, and force to make that decision. Um, you sort of kind of control it, if that makes sense. And so people in different functions, I think, can look at their agency in the matter and their internal contribution to making that decision. Uh, and I think when, when we look at like what the choice is, we, we like I always think about stepping back and looking at the energy behind the decision or the action or the choice and, and where did that kind of come from? So like the source of the action is where I think we can really learn a ton. Um, and often when like, so this is where, uh, you know, Dr. Victor Frankel, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, come talks about logos therapy of like basically, um, you know, the, the power of story and you can take everything away from a human being, but they're, but how they choose to experience something. And I think that a dude that went through, a, uh, you know, six years, I think, in a concentration camp, if he's saying, hey, you can strip me of everything, but you won't strip me of my choice on how I choose to, how I, how I be and, and, and what has meaning and how I have that in my life. Uh, I think if he's saying that, I think we can all probably listen to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you guys were talking the other day about um, how you don't, oh, we don't always experience things the same way. I think the example Kay had given was walking the dog somewhere and there was some lady just staring at her and yeah, like Kay's having one experience. This other lady's having a completely different experience, but who's, who's right. You know, like is somebody right about whatever they were perceiving? Something else that you talk about a lot um, also is, is how you feel. So yeah. I was going to start out this interview with, um, and I got derailed, but I was going to start it out with not asking you how you are, but how do you feel? There you go. That's something that you talk about a lot. So how do you feel? Right now I feel good. I feel, um, I feel present. I feel connected. I feel engaged. I feel um, a, a little warm, frankly. Uh, I think, like my heart's beating a little bit quicker, uh, but I feel also like at peace and just just aware. Would you say that you feel at peace most of the time? And what makes Ooh, you good not? Good question. Because you always seem like you're so very composed, and I don't know if that's just your nature, if it has something to do with the, the training you've had, um, if you've worked on that, or if you're a total spaz when the camera goes off. <laughs> I think, I think there's times where I'm a spaz for sure. Um, you know, without a doubt, I think I'm generally pretty composed. I think I have a very good ability to, to 
understand maybe what's happening inside of me uh, <clears throat> might not be best expressed and shown in that situation. And so I think that's a function of definitely some training, a life of a life of that. Um, but I also know I'm very, very good at burying stuff. And that, again, I think has a time and a place. But one of the things that I've worked through, you know, for the for, for past few years, for sure, personally, has been not not just do, not doing that um, and not making a habit of it, but also not having it be like, well, I'm feeling this, I need to get it out, you know, and so finding where that where that line is, in, in, in essence, of being composed, but not being numb, you know, yeah. being aware, but not being uh, just just like gripping so tight. Um, but well, I, think I, I think I, yeah, I think I find, I think I'm, I'm not sure actually about the peace thing. I think that mo more, mostly I think I am, but you know, again, like some days I think I really connect with it, even if for like t a minute or two and that can, that can make the whole day a win. And then there's other days where I might feel like I haven't, uh, even though it's been a fine day and it might feel like it's, it's not. So. Well, how do you express it when you're, if you're pissed off or I don't know, just in a bad mood or. You know, I think the example you guys had talked about was, you know, someone cuts you off on the road and I'll admit, depends on my mood. I might start flipping out and flip, you know, flip them the bird and go crazy or I might just be like, eh, whatever. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> so there's sometimes where I, I wish I had a good answer for like, you know, hey, do this and it'll work. I don't, you know, and I think that the intensity of the inner of the of the offense, if we just call it. I think we have to pay attention to the signal that that's creating and not match it with our own intensity. We have to find the, the, the sort of opposite of it uh, in a sense of how we can then manage it. Because if we try to, you know, go toe to toe with it, if someone flips you off and then you speed up behind them and then you're, you know, doing like you're just further escalating it and that's not going to work out. Have well. you ever done that, Bill? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. Although yeah, I have a feeling I probably did it sooner, more recently than you did. <laughs> Maybe that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do think that goes to the awareness that you're talking about is knowing what triggers you, recognizing I'm really pissed off right now, and I need to, I need to be aware that. I am pissed off right now and not do something stupid that later I'm going to look back on and, yeah. you know, just feel like, why did I do that? Uh, yeah. And I think that, you know, again, awareness being the root of, of our, of our actions and awareness being like the fundamental contributor to the success that our actions might have in, in navigating whatever this situ situation is. So for in the example of somebody who, cuts you off or flips you off or tailgates you or does whatever, goes slow. Like, yeah. like it's like the, uh, what is it? It's like the 35 mile an hour person. They drive 35 and a 25, 35 and a 45. And it's just like, yeah. would, you, would you make your mind up? Um, yeah. But I think that having the awareness of that, paying attention to the signs, paying attention to the signals is going to give us sort of, I think that the, the, the 
best answer. It's like one of those multiple choice questions. It's like, well, none of them are right, but this one's the better one or the best one. Um, and so for the car, somebody flips you off. Can do you can you just have the awareness of what your body state is? What is the physical sensations? And so that's one of the things is like, how do you feel physical sensations inside your body? Because that you can then connect to and realize, holy shit, I am having a massive stress response. What is the stress response? Well, cortisol jacks up, um, you know, adrenaline fires up, heart rate goes up, that flood down your legs. You're just like, oh, I don't know what's happening. Like you don't feel this feeling anytime else other than when someone cuts you off in traffic. Okay, I'm having a massive stress response. All right. How is that physical sensation feeling going to drive my action? Well, I'm going to want to turn into a road rage murderer. It's like, right, probably not good. You don't know what that person's deal. Like, that's just not, that's just not right. Yeah. So then I think we can say, okay, this is sort of the, this is the environment internal and external that I'm operating in. Just by having the ability to raise our awareness, we slow ourselves down a bit and we check in instead of real, like trying to flip out. Uh, and that can be, I, I personally think that that's the buffer we need in those moments that then we can say, okay, I need to breathe. I need to do some, I need to do 10 very deep nasal breaths or I just, or I need to pull over and just and, and punch the passenger uh, seat or something. But the action that we do, cause it might not like taking your deep breaths. I don't know. That might not be what you need at that time. If you're thinking, no, I just need to, scream at the top of my lungs okay then get it out and do that but understanding like what's the purpose of this action we have to have that pause where we can then raise our awareness um that does require a lot of yeah. self-control yeah but i think but i think but i think it's also something that you know it's it the self-awareness element is just trying to first pay attention to the signal and not worry about, I think when we think about control, it's like an, it's right to the action. But what we do being more so, less about what we do, but like why and how we do it. Um, and everybody can check in, like that's the thing. And I think when we see these things, we, when we see the difference between a reaction and a response, a reaction is something you do basically mindlessly versus a response is something that even if very, very fast, you kind of had that first, like, right, this is kind of what I've, this is kind of the state that I'm, that I'm in. Cause ultimately that's what it's for. It's for you, the individual. Um, you know, and there's, and there's a lot of things, frankly, Christina, that like, and we talked about that seminar, you don't get to have the, the benefit of the analysis. And, and that's our, you know, our nervous systems coming into play and survival, um, where we need this thing, we need this action to happen fast without thought because we need to survive yeah uh and so not every situation is you're, you're not gonna be able to you know pause think check in there's some things where yeah you're just you're just really not going to be able to uh but those those situations that you can i think that it's it's important to to try to practice that and it's and, and it is challenging um to do but you can do it throughout your day just being like hey what do i feel how do i feel what, what how is this feeling pushing me to do that action and, it's uh, hard to answer sometimes i mean i have tried it and i more often i'll find myself saying what i think mm. 
and not what What's I the difference then? Well, if you say, you know, I had a fight with my mom, well, how do you feel about that? Well, I think she was just upset yeah. because of something else that happened. And it's like, okay, but that's not a feeling. That's right. being cerebral and thinking intellectually about something. Like, how does it feel to you? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the thought and the story is often focused on someone else and feeling or the emotional piece is on us. And so if, hey, you got in a fight and you know, how do you feel? Well, I think that, you know, it's like, whoa, let's just pay attention to our, our, our language. And that's why in the definition of mindset is that it's a mode of self-communication with language being such an important part of that. And if we pay attention to our word choices, we can raise our awareness and, and have it be like a little indicator, uh, no different than you would check temperature, right? Like it's a, it's the awareness is, is just checking the, like the signals yeah. and stuff. So, you know, if we think about, well, how do I feel? And then you start telling a story. It's like, no, uh, let's, let's just say a feeling is a, is a physical sensation. At the root of it, that's what it is. And, you know, when you look at, um, you, you know, take a Google of interoception. And that, that is a mid Dr. Bud Craig, uh, Antonio Damasio. He's got a lot of stuff on somatic marker hypothesis. Like when, now that we have the benefit of, of, of functional MRIs and mapping all this stuff, we're learning so much more that like, yeah, the body and the mind are absolutely connected. And, um, that's also why part of between years will always have a physical part, you know, even though physicality and movement doesn't have to be a workout. Um, yeah. but there's, there's such a strong link there. Well, it's it's, it's our, how we live. That's basically what yoga is. Yeah, the thing with yoga that I think that there's a ton of value to is in the type of movement to go into the different type of brain or like the default mode network or some of the lower intensity uh, types of things because of just that, that's the duration. There's very, very difference between like a yoga pose or practice and running for your life. Yeah. Right? And so those are going to create two different experiences. Um, and I think that that's where movement, physical movement is all inclusive. And if we can look at, yeah, if you're just somebody who hammers the weights or just does CrossFit, you probably need to pay attention to the, to, to a yoga like practice. Uh, or what the essence of that thing is. Likewise, if you're only doing yoga, maybe you can look at you know a movement practice where you have some weight training or higher intensity or, or having the internal state of the body create a different response or create a different stimulus to, to have a different adaptation and look at what that looks like and um, just kind of not to do go too deep into that. But. Yeah. Do you do yoga or meditation? I don't do yoga. Um, I do, I, I, I'm trained in meditation. So I, I'm, I'm trained in, uh, transcendental meditation. I've kind of fallen off my practice for about a year. Um, I find, I find more and more what helps is just having a little bit more of a breath practice, just trying to check in, having some deep breaths, nasal breathing into the belly, just trying to pay attention to internal body states. Um, I like, I would consider what I do quite a bit of moving meditation. Uh, could be taking the dogs for a walk, could be just 
even like a workout that's not really about like that's not about crushing yourself but just kind of moving and paying attention uh, i think the essence of meditation is paying attention and so when there's workouts where you're just going crazy hard like you're not really paying attention in that moment uh likewise you know if you're um you know kind of doing something where you can be a little bit more calm and, and, and pay attention so well i try nothing guys, formal you guys had suggested um i think you had suggested trying your workout without music on yeah and um when i first heard you say that i was like oh, i'm not doing that <laughs> Um, but then I decided, well, maybe I should try it, you know, maybe I shouldn't just dismiss that. And I really thought it would be excruciating and feel like it was really long if mm. I didn't have the music on. But I have to say it, I liked it. I think I'm going to do that more. Yeah, um, beautiful. I actually felt like I was more present and engaged with what I was actually doing. Yep, not that's the point. trying to get through it. Um, yeah, so that was a good suggestion. Yeah, good. Yeah, and, and and as you do it, you'll you'll notice different types of experiences with it, and that's going to be often determined not so much by like you and your thinking, because like there's so much about your thinking that you can't control. Like you can you can maybe channel it. And, and guide it and be like one of the, the, the traffic coordinators, but you're not really controlling it because so much of what we do is outside of our control and our senses to just take things in. Um, you know, I bring, I show you this pen, you've thought about a story about this pen without even thinking about it. And so to say like, I'm going to control my thoughts. It's like, well, hold on a second. Like, yeah. We have to, we have to be, we have to be realistic about what we can and cannot control. So when you do workouts with the with no music or earplugs in or whatever, the type of workout will show will, will kind of show you like wow this was sort of the direction my thoughts went or this was the direction my thoughts went and I think that's where um, we can raise our awareness of of just what our self communication is and then when we combine that after we we do that with some journaling and just capturing the present moment that's like that has been absolutely life life changing for for many people. I haven't done the journaling. I've done it, you know, with certain exercises with with Kay and with you, um, but I yeah. I haven't done that at home. I think I sit there like I don't know what to write. What am I supposed to write about? <laughs> just just write. Just start. Just go. You know, I always tell people if you can get three or four sentences onto the paper, and it could be gibberish. It could be my name is Christina. Today I am, you just get into that, uh, just start writing and there's nothing wrong or right about it. You just have to be honest, just have to start and just don't judge it. And that's I'll like the it. three rules. Yeah. Lord, Lord knows I've got enough journals that are blank on unfinished projects. Um, yeah. so you said in one of your podcasts at your April 2nd podcast, you said that you struggle with being fully authentic. Hmm. What did you mean by that? What, why do you think that is? I guess those are two questions. Yeah. So sometimes I feel like I can't fully be me 
because I don't want to like rub people the wrong way or be mis misjudged. Um, I don't want to misrepresent like the goodness or the essence in my heart. Um, I also recognize, and I've been given this feedback of like, uh, my voice sounds a certain way. I look a certain way. My background's a certain way that comes with a certain expectation. And so sometimes I feel like that is totally wrong and it's not how I mean it. And so I think with the authenticity piece, it's like playing it safe. Um, I'm, I, I will never try to be somebody else. That's not what I mean by it. Uh, mm -hmm. and I'm, I don't worry about that at all. Um, sometimes I, I pull punches and I don't, and I do that because I don't want to be misjudged or misunderstood. Um, I think I've struggled with that quite a bit actually in my life and just super sensitive of it now. And so I think, well, I don't want to be like an asshole. You know, I don't want to feel like this and, uh, you know, kind of, and it's just like, I honestly, I'm, and I'm getting, I think much better at that. Um, where look, if, you know, if you don't like what I have to say, or you're not, you're, you don't agree that that's beautiful. That's why we, that that's great. You don't have to listen or we can disagree and have a professional discourse. Um, that's good. But yeah, I don't, I don't, um, I think I'm getting better at that. Well, do you feel like you're just very direct, maybe more so than some people are comfortable with? I think I'm very intense. I know, okay. I, I know I'm intense. Yeah. And I think that that's, Sorry. um, yeah. Are you like one of those people who will say, you know, if I say, um, I'm just going to make like a really stupid example, like, you know, do I look fat in the, in these jeans? And you're like, yeah. Or are you good, or the person who's going to be like, um, I think maybe you could find something better to wear. Oh, I think I lost you, Bill. Did I lose you, Bill? Looks like I'm talking to myself right now. Okay, I guess we are having a little technical difficulties. Hey, sorry, my oh, internet, okay. uh, my power just yeah. went out. Oh yeah, I know. I was a little worried about how this was gonna go because of the uh, the weather, but yeah, I'm on my phone thankfully now. But yeah, all the lights are out. Um, no, I, I don't. I don't think I'm that. Um, just like brutally honest if it's not your, if you don't like it tough, like I'm not, I don't think that's, that's how I am with that. Um, so no, I, I, if, if you were to come to me and, and say that I, I, that's the thing, like I do know in my heart, I have a ton of compassion and empathy and really care about people. Um, and so I don't, I, I don't want that to ever, I don't want that to be, not acknowledged or understood or, or misrepresented. Um, and so I think that with my struggle with like being fully authentic, I think sometimes that's where I try to kind of manage other people's interpretations or experiences of how they might 
hear listener respond to something and, and you know, again, focusing on, I can't control that, but I'm also not going to throw my hands up and be like, well, tough. If I said, yeah, Christine, you, know, you like probably could lose about 75 pounds like that, that you're just an asshole now. And I don't think that honesty is a, is a acceptable reason for not being a good human being. Right? Well, but there's, but it's a fine line. And, you know, do you think that you hold back saying something that maybe needs to be said? Is that what you mean by not being authentic? Like you, I think sometimes, yeah, I think sometimes, um, for sure. I think sometimes like there's things that I think the need to be said thing again, though, is interesting because well, who needs to say it? And it might be something that I feel I need to say, but does do like, does anybody really need to hear it? I don't know. Am I thinking if I needed to say something like whatever we're talking about uh, and be like, well, Christina needs to hear it. Well, how, how do I know what you need to hear? I don't know that. And so I think that I could have judgment, assessment. I can analyze and be aware of things and be like, well, it's my belief that we're missing the mark here or there um, and, and, and say that. But again, I don't want to, the, I think one of the things that I really struggle with is not wanting to seem dogmatic and not wanting to seem closed minded and that it's my way or the highway and I know everything because I know so little and I'm constantly learning. And, you know, I, I, my, my father, he was a, he's like the smartest guy I've ever met. And he, uh, PhD biochemistry, just like crazy smart. And his, I think I'm pretty sure his application to get into whatever doctoral program he was in was, uh, he was, I think he basically said that he's like, I wrote like, I don't, I don't know anything. <laughs> And so, you know, I grew up with sort of that mindset of being curious, being inquisitive, trying to be open to, to different, you know, learning opportunities and, and all of that. Uh, so that like really influences me, I think, with, um, you know, saying what needs to be said or I just don't want to seem like oh, the guy's got it all figured out because I am the furthest from that. Well, what if it's in a coaching capacity? I mean, do you feel a little comfortable then? To, to yeah, start? like I'll say I'm a very good coach. I, I do know that. Like, and, and working with clients and being able to establish relationships and connections and rapport and getting to understand them as much as I can and understand too the coaching relationship being a servant of someone else's. Like the, the, the client leads the dance as the coach. You're not uh, I think that's the two, the difference between like consulting and coaching consulting. It's like, Hey, I have this problem. Like what, what we do is go, hey, Christina, like there's this problem I have. And what, in, from a legal standpoint, what's the answer? You'd be like, okay, boom, it's, oh, there's the lights. Um, here's, here's like the answer or whatever, but a coaching relationship, the client leads that, uh, and you're, you're serving in a supportive capacity. And so, not enabling, you know, but empowering and, and having, having that. So there's, there's quite a bit. And my clients will be like, look, this is, this is how I'm interpreting and taking and listening and hearing to what you're saying. What, like, what do you think about that? And they might be like, Oh my God, I had no idea. I was basically telling you, you were wrong every single time you tried to tell me basically what I was saying back. And so, um, I think, you know, I think in a one-on-one -on -one setting or coach and client relationship that those concerns are far 
less than just sort of general yeah you know, putting yourself out there kind of deal yeah i i definitely see the difference there um so you've talked in the past about um the dislike for that expression mental toughness yeah can you talk a little bit about that um yeah of course i i think it's very similar to the mindset thing i think that the mental toughness is something that's said that doesn't mean anything. Um, I think it's often looked at as an outcome and an action and a what, uh, unfortunately, just even though like it might, even though it's not, it's, it's, it's really not. So I think the mental toughness element about being able, like, so I'll, I'll say mental toughness, my take on mental toughness is to, uh, express your mindset in the face and of, of adversity. And so, you know, when we then say like, Oh, well then what's mindset? Okay. Well then it's like this thing from within us. Um, I think that the mental toughness is like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta just dial up the suck factor. And often with, with how, again, a lot of times in the military or, or military related fields or posts or athletics and, I talk about how mentally tough people are and it's like, well, how do you know? I, me being able to do something that you think is just crazy doesn't mean I'm mentally tough. You know, there's physical, physical athleticism and capacity isn't necessarily the, the built all the times on upon mental toughness. And so um, I think it, misguides people i think it pro promotes a machoism bullshit sort of um masculine crap that is in my experience like the most you want to know who the most mentally tough people are in the military it's the most of the time it's the wives mm. hands down hands down yeah my what i was doing mental toughness yeah sure sometimes they're different degrees and this and that okay mental toughness yeah 10 times more than me in, in in a lot of that stuff um athletics the superstar is that the mentally tough person or is it the person who sacrifices everything doesn't play a damn second doesn't really get paid that much if they're a professional athlete or whatever shows up and gives everything they have every single day because they know that that's going to be with their teammates who are making millions of dollars a year or playing more or whatever it is, whatever level, um, because they believe in something of, of the team. To me, that's more mental toughness than somebody scoring a game winning touchdown and just ex expressing their talent. So I think that mental toughness misguides people most of the time. Yeah, I'm, it's funny. I never paid much attention to that until you pointed it out. And now I see it everywhere, constantly, yeah. in every context. Um, yeah, it, it's so, I mean, and what's been your, now that you sort of have that awareness and you see it, what's your response to it? I think it's, a, you know, I think it's a little, I think it's a misnomer. You know, I think, yeah. I think what I think when I think of someone who's mentally tough is just someone who, um, can withstand a lot and can push through whatever it is, you know, mental pain, emotional pain, physical pain. Um, 
that they just have the gumption to do it. And somebody else maybe who isn't as mentally tough doesn't. I, I don't think there's any doubt that there are some people that can just handle more stress and more pressure than someone else. What is that? Is that being mentally yeah. tough? I'm not really sure. I don't know what you call that. Yeah. I mean, I think that when we look at, if you were to say this person is mentally tough, most, I, I think generally speaking, people wouldn't think about emotional resiliency or emotional awareness. And I would venture to say that that's more important than maybe what mental toughness sort of is, is, is supposing to be. And so I think you see some incredible, like there's people who I think express a significant amount of mental toughness that ask for help. They recognize that they're in a situation that they need help. That is fucking hard. To yeah. And the strength the, and the emotional awareness and, and humility in that and the care for whatever like environment they operate them within to say, hey, I need help. That's mental toughness. Or, hey, yeah. I'm, I cannot do this. I need to, you know, I, I, I think that's the thing. But, but so often, what is mental toughness? It's the guy on top of the mountain. It's the person winning gold. It's the it's the achievement. It's the win. It's the victory. And I just think it it, it it's way yeah. way wrong. Yeah. No, I agree with you there. Do you um do you listen or watch Joe Rogan? Not regularly. Um, I've certainly listened to him in the past. Um, if somebody is on that. You know, I mean, he's got so he's got so many people who are interesting on. He um, does. Yeah, but I, I don't regularly listen to him. I've just been. He has a lot of military guys on there, um, but they don't just sit and talk about their military experience. I have to say, though, I have to look because I don't think I have seen a woman on there, and there has to have been women on there, but I don't know. I think uh, he got in trouble. I think he got in a little bit of hot water for that recently. Really? Somebody asked, yeah. I think oh, I it was see. one of those things like, please don't make it more than it is. But he's had no. That's he's definitely had women on. I heard him. I heard. Um, I remember this because I was actually driving back from a level one when I was on cross level one staff. Uh, it was like a some sort of scientist, some some crazy smart scientist, and she just. I don't even know what she was talking about. It was just, <laughs> it was so high uh -huh. level and stuff. But yeah, I, I think he's definitely. I got to look for it. Um, because when I, I heard that, I heard about him, you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was a fan, like just, you know, kind of indifferent. And then I started watching them on YouTube and I was like a three hour interview. How on earth is he doing a three hour interview? And who is listening to that? But I have to say, when I started listening to them, I couldn't turn it off. It yeah. was interesting. It was engaging the whole time. It really yeah. was. Well, hopefully this is too. Yeah. Um, okay. So I wanted to ask you, you, um, and I don't know if you're ready to talk about this yet, but I was snooping around on Instagram and you have another, you have like BTE fitness page. Yes. 
So do you have something else in the works? I do. Oh, what is it? Do you want to talk about it? Um, there's a lot up in the air about it. Uh, but it, it's going to be a, uh, a way to connect people and, you know, kind of have a little bit more everyday training with, with some of these concepts with some of the between the ears concepts, um, you know, to try to meet people like certainly where they're at, but also not just geographically limited. So, so there are some new projects in the works. Yeah, yeah, there are some new projects okay. in the works. I but right sure now, was... just with everything going on, yeah. it kind of have has taken a major pause. I wasn't sure if it was just you played around with a, a username that, that you just never used or if it's, you know, something that's brewing. It's brewing. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. Um, so you, cause you have said, I've asked you, when are you having some uh, more other, you know, you, um, like engagements or immersions and yeah. you had kind of said, you know, that you were, you didn't have anything in the works. Are you going to do any more of those? I, I, yes, I don't know when, um, okay. I certainly don't know when again, given this thing. So right after the seminar, there was actually like three or four other people who were saying, Hey, can we have you come out? Can you do a seminar here? And so they were not local people either, um, you know, just kind of around the country. And so I think that's kind of where I, I would forecast things going. But again, with right now, uh, who knows what in-person events kind of look like. Yeah. I do like the in-person events because I think that they're, very unique, very powerful experiences, but I'm the, I'll be the first one to say that they're very limited as far as like providing follow through and giving the opportunity to like, um, you know, kind of have that follow through with some of the lessons learned. And so, uh, you know, right, right away, honestly, when I started between the ears, I said to Kariana, like, I do not want to just run an events company. That is not what I want to do. And so I, I had a bunch and understood that that's kind of what I would need to. But I think that the work now with the, without a doubt, with the practice, and that's the online program where people do it for three months. Uh, they get a weekly workout, a weekly mindset, and there's a journal practice in there. And then there's a community with the group calls and all of that. That's been where people have, where, where more people have had like really like life-changing consistent results without having to do something that you know is just kind of out of out of reach for many people and for good reasons too like hey we're going to do something from Friday night to Sunday morning okay yeah. like then what's my then I'm going to be crushed for the week I've got kids at home or I've got a you know thing going on and so I would like to do more events. I think I think the immersion style event was what I would try to do more because it's not like the events are are, are have been traditionally very intense. Like and they there's been a heavy physical element to them. A few day events, you mean? Yeah. Well, the like the overnight one, like the evolution, yeah. like that's like kind of like the main, the original, the big one. But like where immersion was different was there was. We had an experience, a physical movement, a physical experience, got to 
like ex- like have this involved learning thing and then bring it inside talk about it break it down interact coach like there was a much better coverage of you know the physical mental and emotional fitnesses that i that i mm-hmm. that i submit that between years develops and so um that's where i've actually like kind of backed off of some of the events because i felt like they were cool they were novel but they weren't as life-changing and powerful for for people with like for practical use and application in their life and um well maybe that's when you offer people coaching like you know they go on to coach if yeah, and there's been some of that. Like some people are like, "Hey, I did this. I'd like to." Um, and and I agree. I think that that would make sense there. I think that's probably also like a personal. Not really sure. That like brings up probably some insecurities with on my end of, you know, wanting to like sell people yeah. after this because the other thing is like one of the things I know for a fact the events do. Um, well, if you show up authentically and and, and open and and in that way they are emotional experiences and so people are pretty raw at the end of it um in their own ways because everybody's got a everybody's got a story and you know sometimes you see like the light the light gets turned on for pretty much everyone um and there is a vulnerability in that um and i've i've had i've gotten a feet you know very 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 good feedback i'm very thankful of the feedback i've gotten from a friend who said like hey you just have to kind of understand that you open you open things up for people here and while powerful like that not everyone's always ready for that and so again i think that there's not a perfect answer for everyone and i certainly don't want to do more harm than than good uh obviously but there is a very, very powerful thing that happens during those. And, and as I start, as I learn also more about the body, the mind, emotion, all of this stuff, the more I realize, like, I need to really respect the the power that, that happens with those. Um, Maybe just follow up with one coaching call. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like the immersion. I had one before, we did the weekend and then we had one after and I thought that that was, that was, that was pretty good. I mean, it's almost, it might be painful and it might open things up, but it's almost the best time to, to encourage people to continue because some people will go home and they'll have this amazing experience and they'll want more, but then some people it's like, you know, we're, we've been talking a lot about COVID and COVID-19 and, and I think you and Kay talked about, how are things going to be after this? Is it is it just going to go back to business as usual? Yeah. Or is something going to be different? And I think you could say that about the coaching experience, is that do people leave and feel changed for a couple of days and then they just go back to whatever they were doing before? Or is or is it the beginning of something? I think you almost have to stick with it if, if it's really going to change anything permanently. Yeah, I would agree. That's the follow through. Um, yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I, I could give you some suggestions like, cause I've done so many coaching programs um, that 
you know, there's a lot of similarities between the, the way that they do things, but I, it sounds like you've done some coaching stuff too. Yeah, I have. And I think what's challenge, what's been challenging for me too is uh, like the thing I, so I went through a professional coaching certification training program and uh, I, I didn't follow through with like the, the application and the paperwork and the certification, all that. I, I don't know, whatever. I figure I, I'm always less concerned about letters after a name kind of thing, but nonetheless, what rubbed me the wrong way at the end was that they essentially put everyone through a template mm-hmm. and mass produced a training methodology. And I get it. Like I understand where that can be helpful. I personally don't love that approach because um, I don't know why. I guess I just I just don't like I just try to view the person more yeah. unique. And I think that when we're just saying, okay, I'm gonna put everybody through this, even if this route is very good, we miss things. We're 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 just sort of ignorant to something else. And so um I don't like that. I don't like that templated approach to things. And so Well, don't they sell those things like, oh, you want to be a coach, you can have a side gig or you know, we'll teach you how to make money as a coach and then it's like a an assembly line, like do this, like a recipe, like just do all yeah. these things and yeah. before yeah. you know it, you're going to be rich. You're going to be a rich coach. Yeah. Did you, I, I mean, did you I went that? through a coaching program that was about a year. There was oh, that's a three. Long yeah, it was a, it was a big one. Uh, IPEC was the name of it. And some of the content was very, very good. Um, I didn't love the fact. I didn't, I didn't like the sales angle. Yeah. I didn't like the, in order to get this, you have to pay for Like, I just, I don't know. I just didn't really like that. Um, and there's, I'm look, like, I'm not retiring anytime soon with, with between the years or my coaching practice. And so I'm sure there's people who measure success by numbers of clients and revenues and stuff like that. I don't. And so I say that to say, like, I'm going to always look to explore ways on how I can better serve unique individuals um, and not just kind of mass produce them and put them through everyone gets this recipe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of being authentic. And I think people feel that. Yeah. All right. Um, I wanted to ask you, are you writing a book? I don't know why I thought you might be writing a book from a couple things you said, but. <laughs> it's funny you ask that. I've thought about it. Um, okay. I don't know how, talk about bringing up some insecurities. I um, I think it would be a really cool exercise to do. I think it would, I would learn a ton about myself, about, about material, about just something new, like that process. I feel like I would write it also for to exercise a creative element i i i has traditionally have not been much like creative but recently past few years maybe i've found myself like really having a i have a ton of respect and admiration for creative types and i i like that and i want to kind of i want to be creative you know um and so i think i would try to have it be like a little bit more on the creative thing i know i'm very creative with 
with other things. Um, but like for a body of work kind of thing in, in the tangible sense, I, uh, I, I, so I've definitely thought about it. Okay. I just wanted to, uh, get the scoop on that because yeah. I, I don't remember what it was you said. Um, but speaking of books, I told you that I was going to ask you what, like what book has really made a big impact on you. Yeah. What book was it? I'm going to say my favorite book, if that's, if that's good, if that's a good answer. And it, it because it did have a tremendous impact on me. My favorite book is The Alchemist. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. That is not what I thought you were going to say. What did you think I was going to say? I don't know. Like some military leadership book like this. <laughs> I bought this. I think you have this, right? I think no. I saw it. No, I saw it on somebody's reading list. And it's really good. I'm reading it now. Um, but yeah, something like that. No, I, uh, no, definitely not. Like I, I like those books. I think they're interesting. I think, uh, they're, they're, they're obviously there's a big market for them. Yeah. Um, but no, so the alchemist was my, is my favorite book for sure. Why? I think this still, I, I relate so much to the story and I think everyone can relate to the story, you know, of, of seeking your personal legend of, um, hardship of, you know, kind of a journey within, I think the, the, the notion of alchemy is something I think we can look to cultivate and facilitate within ourselves of a personal alchemy and transformation and a personal evolution. Um, even though, you know, it might be, <laughs> it's not like, it's like a, what is it like a, a black art or a black magic kind of thing, right? We don't know exactly what it is, but so I think that that, that tale um, is just a beautifully written book that, I read early on actually in my, when I was in the army and it, Kay and I read it together too. And so it has a tremendous personal significance uh, just for me and for, for us too. So that that's my favorite book. If I were to have a second one, Oh man. I mean, you I mentioned don't... a lot of books when you went live, like last, last week sometime. Yeah, um, I'm looking at a couple over there on my like favorite shelf. Uh, th I mean, so why Buddhism is true is I'm looking at that's really good. Um, the body keeps the score is phenomenal. I'm gonna write these uh, down. What else? I think I've heard. I I've heard of why Buddhism is true. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, I read a lot of like Zen books when I was um, growing up, my dad had them like samurais. I was fascinated with the samurai kind of ninja warrior culture, what they stood for. Um, so anything there, you know, the art of war obviously is a good one. Um, I got this one too. That book right there is one of the best books I've ever read. I, yeah, I'm reading like too many books at the same time. I gotta just yeah, that book. I I think from an explanation on like my that book explained a lot of why the the between the ears work works. Yes, and because I didn't know really, I'm because I'm not a scientist. I don't have 
I'm not a scientist. I'm not a psychologist. I don't have any of that background. Um, so I can't make any claims to say, yeah, I did a study where, no, like, I don't know that. But that book, um, how do I feel? Like I said, by Dr. Bud Craig, that's a good one. Uh, but, but, but what are some other ones? The body keeps the score. Obviously that's a big one. Um, Man's search for meaning. I think you mentioned. Oh, one. for sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. Man's search for meaning. Oh, here's one that everyone should read right now. Five years to freedom. Go ahead and read that. That's about Colonel Nick Rowe, who spent five years in a Vietnamese prisoner of war camp. Um, tell me if isolation or quarantine is so bad uh, for not the, I know there's a lot of like politically charged sentiments about about it right now. I'm just talking about the in, yeah. the individual experience on what that does to us. Uh, not I'm not going political with that, but yeah, read Five Years yeah. to Freedom, then tell me how hard it is to sit at home. Uh, but but yeah, so that uh, Brene Brown, like uh, which which one was hers? So the Gift of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, um, those are phenomenal. Oh, legacy from a leadership, uh, from like a business leadership, just legacy is a amazing read. Endure is another great, great read from like an athletic performance standpoint. Some mindset. There's so many. I, I know. There to, are so many. You have to um, tell Kay um, that I'm mad at her because she didn't take a um, photo of her. Her bookcase. I'm always telling her I want to see her bookcase. <laughs> so, thank you. Those are some good ones. Are you going to do the book club? Yeah. Good. I don't well, know when it's going to start. Yeah. Okay. That was my next question. Yeah. Um. So what? What is um? What's the most what, and mentally? enduring grueling thing that you've had to do in your life if it's something you want to share uh live in two worlds at the same time that i can never be a part of so having a family and having a, a job that they never got to coexist mentally and emotionally that was the by far the hardest thing i've ever had to do hmm. um do you think you've got something positive out of that experience Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big, um, recently, I mean, it's come to sort of, I think I've been able to make it a little bit more tangible recently, but I talk a lot about presence and appreciation, uh, not just as attributes, but as actions and, and things that we can cultivate and connect to and express and, and really step into and have as companions in our life. And I think that, now it's much more clear to me at the time I, I didn't really know it what was happening uh, but I think that you know my time in the military and being away from my family and never being able to it was just I, I felt like I was often in the wrong world and you know like Kay and the kids were up here and the business and the gym at the time you know was yeah. up here and I was down there and when I was up here I was work and when I was down at work I was anyway Presence and appreciation has been, I would say, a lifesaver for me, certainly a life enhancer. Um, but what goes into that is, I think, something that I learned so much from from that hardship of being in two completely 
in always feeling like I was in the wrong world, um, physically, mentally, and emotionally. I think that that's, that was like the birthplace of what now is presence and appreciation. And is something I, if there's something I were to put everybody through, like, like we were talking about, like channeling everyone through a template, it would, it would include that. Do you ever miss being in the military or do you feel like that for you now is a closed chapter? Like, is that pull gone? I think the pull and the urge is, is less than it was. It's not as strong, but I, I, I do miss it. Uh, again, some days I miss it less. Some days I miss it more. Kind of sometimes depends on what's happening in the world and who I know is where they are in the world. Um, but I do, I do, I do miss it, and I and I do miss the relationships. I do miss you know the people. Uh, I, I I miss some of the environmentals that go into it, but not more than I miss my family. I mean, mm-hmm. and that that's like I wouldn't I almost did go back and that's the thing and and I knew I knew deep down that if I went back I not I wouldn't come out meaning like I wouldn't make it out alive but mm-hmm. that would be that would be where you know I prioritize everything and so I miss it for sure um but I but and I'm okay with that because it was very important to me as well and yeah. you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know get all like boo-boo about it or whatever but um i think it's okay to miss it because i i care about it it was, it was such a big part of me um you probably would have missed it no matter when you left i mean it's not something you could do forever no and i think that everyone is going to have a different thing with that like like and i'll say like i was in for five years and i've almost been out the same amount of time i was in and i'm gonna have to kind of come to come to grips with that um but there's some folks who are like no like one of my buddies right now he's like i'm I'm done, you know, and everybody gets to that certain point. I'm also the first one to say that there was plenty of days where I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> there was plenty of days where it was like, what the, you know, if they could tell, if they could say like, Hey, you want to leave? I probably would have, you know, like there's some days that that's the, that's where I was. And so I'm, I'm certainly under no, like things are always much glamorous in your memory. Um, I'm not going to yeah. forget the days that, that I, I, I hated it. It's sort of like an X. You always remember them a little better than they were. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you something that comes up for me a lot is everybody uses this word, um, you know, leader all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know really, I'm trying to figure out really what that is. Um, so I'm going to ask you what you think a leader is, but I'm also going to ask you is, are there two types of people in the world? Are are there leaders and followers and that's it? Are you one or the other? Are you ever hmm. neither? I think it depends on the context. I, you know, I, I think it depends on the situation. Um, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think that leaders are just naturally born. I, I disagree with that. I think that that's, I just yeah, don't that think is that's a the case. A lot. I hear that. Yeah, a lot. yeah, and and I don't, I I don't think that that's the case. Um, but do you think it takes a certain kind of personality to be, I guess, a good leader, or to? I mean, some people just naturally 
gravitate towards those roles. And some avoid it like the plague. Yeah. I don't know if it's as much of a personality trait as it is a sum of experiences or not experiences. Um, you know, again, I think that looking at like kind of the nature nurture debate is sort of where the path that this would lead us down. And I think that people who have a, have experiences that have cultivated a personality that looks at challenges as opportunities to grow that, subscribes to maybe something bigger than their own self that's not just looking out for their own kind of safety in, in whatever in whatever that is um, you know be it career be it you know whatever um so i think that the experiences at uh maybe you know at formidable ages helps people develop leadership capabilities and uh seeing different leadership styles you know people who never have been led, I, I think that it's going to be very hard for them to be effective leaders. I think in order to, I think one of the things that very good leaders have is they have an ability to, to be led and to let others lead. If you always have to be mm. leading, yeah, it really, you're just trying to control everyone. And I, yeah. and I think that that's a very, very dangerous mm -hmm. situation uh, for, for people. And so, being a leader in my mind is being somebody who positively influences others to achieve a, a shared desirable outcome and, and makes the place better. Um, I like that could that. be, that could be, that could be somebody who's the lowest ranking dude, uh, or, you know, a fresh out of college person who influences others to do better and, and, you know, contribute to, to, to success. Uh, definitely is not the role though. I've seen plenty of people in leadership roles who couldn't find leadership in the dictionary. Yeah. It's interesting. I think people, well, maybe it's just me. I, I don't know why, but I think I see leadership as being a dominant role, Yeah. the more desirable role and then followers, I almost sometimes see that in a negative light. Like, I don't want to be a follower. Mm -hmm. um, I guess that's my own issue that I need to work out. But I guess my point is we can't, everybody can't be both in the same time. And I guess I'm trying to figure out for myself if, I don't know, if you, are you one or the other? Are you always one or the other? Because I always say, I always joke about myself, like, I'm a cat. Like, I don't really want to tell everybody. I, like, I just want to be independent. Like, you you go over there. I'll be over here. I'll do my thing. We can coexist. But right. I don't need you to tell me what to do. And I don't want you to tell me what to do. But I also don't want to tell you what to do. I don't sure. need to have all these people that I'm in charge of. I really don't like that. Uh -huh. But I want to be in charge of myself. Sure. So I don't know which category I fall in. <laughs> well, I think when you look at being not so much about being like a follower, because I think being a, I think that the, the word being a follower is a very passive word and kind of just not really engaged. Yeah. I think if you were to think about how can I support 
my leader or my leadership team or this other person, you know, allowing them to take the lead is a, is different than having them lead you, you know? And so I think when in the leadership category, uh, for people who are, don't want to have someone tell them what to do. Okay. You can still contribute leadership capabilities by supporting whoever, you know, that is, which their job is going to be to whatever the mission is or whatever the company's objectives are and, and, and kind of that. So being an active supporter, I would say is a form of leadership. Like you, but you might not be in the position or have the title or the fill the role where you're possibly, where you might have to be the one delegating, where you might have to kind of do all of that. Cause you know, I would also say like people want to be a leader until it's fucking time to lead. And then it's like, are you going to lead or are you going to, what, what are you going to do? And I've, and I've seen that, um, with between the ears, with events, with people who, you know, think leading is just telling people what to do. And that's definitely not the case. I've seen that with, you know, self-leadership with uh, some executive clients where, you know, they are in a C-suite position and it's like, the, just telling people what to do or you want to lead or like, what is it that you want? Again, I think it's like the idea of it too, in some ways, and just yeah. not having training on it. Yeah, I think there's definitely a how issue, um, how to do that. Sometimes people don't know how to do that. And that's like you said, it's something you can learn. Yeah. So I'm going to ponder that a little bit more. Probably have some triggers attached to that that maybe I need to think about. Um, so I like to do a little Proust questionnaire at the end of each interview. Um, have you done one of those before? No. So it's I, I did one with Kay when she was on my podcast. And so it's just a series of questions like, that are designed to reveal something about your character and, and they just require short answers. So I'm okay. going to do a few of them with you. Okay. Um, what is your idea of perfect happiness? Oh my God. <laughs> you said these are supposed to be quick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get like, not like a big long drawn out answer, but you can give a big long drawn out answer if you want. Perfect happiness. My first thought was it doesn't exist, um, but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna try to answer it. Uh, perfect happiness. Are you being the cynic right now? <laughs> I guess I don't really. I guess my. I, I guess it's like feeling connected to like other people or or kind of something very very deep and personal and bigger than me but also recognizing that it's not perfect, that there's flaws, but that's contained within those flaws is like the beauty of humanity yeah, uh, and, and, and who we are. I like that. That's a more positive answer. Although I don't think the first one was wrong. What is your greatest fear? Not living up to my potential or doing anything worthwhile, contributing anything to this world. Which historical figure do you most identify with? Michael Jordan. Oh, Michael Jordan. Why? Because I think he, he well, he was my, maybe because he was my like childhood hero. Um, but I think 
he there was so much more to him than uh than what people saw he dazzled people and made people fall in love with the game of basketball he influenced so many people but but there was so much more to him um you know early on in his career i think it might have been his rookie year or something they were talking about how good of an offensive player he was and he was like don't tell me i'm a good offensive player because then you're going to miss on how good of a defensive person i am and i think that his work rate his his fierceness his like the behind the scenes stuff um i think that there was just way more way more to that and i think he was misunderstood as well and i think that that comes in that comes into play with uh some of my own stuff and why i identify with that feeling misunderstood and so Hmm. i guess i would say that Good. In- interesting. Now I feel like I want to learn more about Michael Jordan, too. There's a documentary coming out that I cannot oh. wait for. I oh, think uh, this week. Or nice. this week or weekend. I think ESPN's Netflix? putting it out. Who? I think, I think ESPN, actually. Oh. Okay, that sounds cool. What is the trait you most deplore in yourself? Most deplore inaction. Paralysis by analysis. Yeah. You've talked about that before. Yeah. What what is the trait you most deplore in others? Not trying, not caring. Yeah. Hmm. What is your biggest regret? Oh. I, I don't think it's specific to one particular incident, um, but I think it's not recognizing the the value or the benefit of a moment of a situation and the impermanence of it while it was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you regard as the lowest depth of misery? not knowing who you are. Hmm. Yeah. I can see that. I'm just looking through these. There's a lot of them. I just want to <laughs> ask you a few. Not not the whole list. Um, who's your favorite hero of fiction? Fictional hero. Man, I don't I feel like I don't really know that many. Um, I don't know, Christina. That's a good question. I don't really have one. Well, if you think of one, you can you can just put it on Facebook or something. Yeah. Because I know some of these, it's like it's hard to answer them quickly. Some of them need a little thought. But what's your favorite failure? Um, when I was, I think the first one that comes to mind, I think I could probably, I would like to spend more time thinking about that. But to move this along, I think the... Um, I was in the Q course and going through a overnight land navigation thing. And basically the people running the thing kind of messed up and I should have passed it, but I, they thought I didn't. Then I had to go out, whatever. My whole body shut down, blacked out, passed out on the side of the road, like was not good. It was a failure. Um, it was literally woken up in the middle of the woods with my strobe, I, I turned my strobe on 
because I knew I was going down and um, all of that. And so I didn't get to go to the next phase of training with my team that I was supposed to go with. And I had to wait for like three months to, or two months or something to go. And I beat myself up big time over that. I told them, no, like I had all the points. I did this, that. They're like, no, man, you didn't pass or whatever. And um, turns out, I was like, okay, that's the case. I got to own it, I, even though I'm pretty damn sure I, I finished. Uh, but I failed. Like I, and I didn't get them. The, I could have avoided that situation had I gotten all my points the first day. So anyway, I went back and said, I'm, I have a choice on how I respond to this. And these next eight to 12 weeks are going to test me, are going to, like, I'm going to need to really explain my character and I kind of that that was the that was the title of my life for the next two months and took a positive approach to it turns out they called me up and they're like hey yeah we, we we kind of fucked up like you were actually right so just do whatever you got to do don't worry and it was I basically was on vacation I just trained I got like I, my knees were all messed up so I got better and um you know I went out and went to the went to the next phase of training and did you know very well um, earned quite frankly a pretty good reputation during that period of time uh, that that followed me, and so I think how I responded to that event, that probably whatever maybe five day period of mm -hmm. time where I was pretty dark um, and distraught and not sure what was going to happen, how I responded I think was my favorite failure memory. But I fail a lot. I mean, I failed so many times. We all do. That's how yeah. you learn, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so this one's a little silly. What Muppet are you? <laughs> I don't know the Muppets. What? How could you not know the Muppets? <laughs> like Animal? Whichever, one doesn't, whichever one's quiet and angry looking. Well, Animal is not quiet. I don't know. I, I have, you could, <laughs> you could not, I, if, if, if it was up to saving my life, Naming the Muppets, I had a good run. All right. Well, this is something that you uh, have missed out on in life, and you need yeah. to watch the Muppets. Add it, <laughs> add it to the list. <laughs> All right. Um, and this one is super serious, like the most important question of the interview. Good. Did Carol Baskin kill her husband? <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. No question about it. Right? How? Did she feed him to the tigers? I think so. Yeah. Sardine oil? I don't know. Something. <laughs> Where are they at? Florida? Gators? I mean, the, I think so. could have could have taken them any number of places. And I don't know yeah. how anybody can reach the conclusion that she didn't kill him. I mean, it's awfully convenient he disappeared, you know, when he did. Yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> So that was the most important thing. Um, I just want to thank you for being so generous with your time. Thank you for having anything. me. You didn't decline to answer anything. So um, thank you. And I also yeah. want to give people, give you an opportunity to tell people if they're interested in learning more about you or your coaching, how can they find you? Yeah. So um, if you go, you know, Instagram is probably the most sort of comprehensive get a feel for things. So, uh, between the ears is the name BTWN the ears. 
um, or just at Bill Anthes. You can go to betweentheears.com as well, uh, or just shoot me an email, bill at betweentheears.com. Happy to chat. Awesome. Thank you. And I'll be looking forward to announcements about any uh, future engagements that you have and your book club. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good, Christina. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Wake Up Call, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to know more about me, you can find out more on my website, christinaprevitt.com. And be sure to sign up for my newsletter where I talk about everything that I'm reading, learning, listening to, doing, basically everything that I'm obsessed with right now. Follow me on social media. Look up Wake Up Call, the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like to be a guest on Wake Up Call or there's someone you'd like to hear on my podcast, please email me at wakeupcallthepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you and see you next time.